time for two blokes talking tech. There is a lot going on in technology, as always. All the latest news and information about technology. It's fantastic to get these speeds on a mobile phone, isn't it? The speeds on this thing are amazing. Two blokes talking tech. Very nice, snappy performance. It's a good phone. Yeah, there's a few pros and cons with this. With Trevor Long from yourtechlife.com. Now, my advice to people who like this kind of service is... And Stephen Fennick from techguide.com.au. I really like this new service. Gives you that flexibility to hear your music anywhere. Two blokes talking tech. Stephen and Trevor always providing the best advice. Lots to talk about on Two Blokes Talking Tech. This is Two Blokes Talking Tech. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading Two Blokes Talking Tech, episode 268. Thanks to the good people at netgear, netgear.com.au. My name is Trevor Long. You can find me on Twitter at Trevor Long. And Stephen Fennick from techguide.com.au. You can find him on Twitter at Stephen Fennick with a PH. G'day, mate. G'day, Trevor. How's it going? Bloody well, um, uh, initial upfront uh, breaking of the commitment to our great fans who don't seem to care other than Bill Weaver. Um, the, <laughs> <laughs> we're not in person. Um, that's my fault. I'm in Berlin. And uh, it's lovely to be on the other side of the world and have the technical challenges that are our communication globally, Stephen. Absolutely. Well, yes, uh, you're in Berlin. I'm here in Sydney. And uh, we're, we're making the most of it. We are... Uh, it didn't take us long to get the connection happening and the recording started, nah, which is good minutes. news. Yeah, Next. yeah. We were... <laughs> I mean, when when you when you have two people involved in a podcast, both of whom host weekly technology programs on the radio, where people ring up and ask questions about how to fix things, we don't get stuff wrong. It takes nah. us no time. Absolutely. Two blokes talking tech, and we'll get straight through. We'll rip through the whole show today because, um, uh, well, frankly, it's uh, going to be midnight when we finish and I'm not going to be able to edit at all because I was stupid, Stephen, and um, packed feverishly at the end after a small travel change and uh, didn't bring my laptop charger. So Whoopsie. I have to go to Apple in the next two days and get myself one. But anyway, we um, I am here in uh, IFA. I'm a guest with Sony over here. The show itself... Um, if you want to think of IFA like uh, basically Europe's biggest tech trade show, it's kind of CES for Europe, um, but a little bit less consumer techy, a little bit more, oh, I don't know, home. Uh, um, there's, there's kind of like yeah. home appliances, a lot of appliances here more than anywhere yeah. else in the world. Absolutely, yeah, you're right. Um, and the show itself doesn't get started until later in the week. But we did kick it off today with Samsung having a uh, unbelievably ridiculously exotic launch in a round circle big top environment um, launching the Gear 3, um, the Gear 3 watch. And it's interesting, they made a big point, Stephen, and I think rightly so, of making um, the reminder that this is their seventh wearable. I mean, the Gear 3 isn't the third, it's it's the seventh uh, watch they've done. They had a, a few in a, in a very short space. The Gear 2, I think, last year here at IFA was the most notable and, and probably the, the best they've done with the kind of twistable bezel on the edge, um, the the operating system, all the things that work well for it, except it's a bit plasticky. Um, and I think for blokes, it was a bit um, too thin and, and kind of feminine in its design. And basically, they have taken all the feedback they've clearly received and gone, right here, let's make this thing look like a watch. Let's really go to town. They had a watch blogger host the show. They had watch designers up here on stage this thing looks like a watch. It um, it has interchangeable 22 mil bands, like any other good watch does. Um, almost thousands of combination of watch faces. They're really pushing home that this device can be a fashion accessory as 
people expect yep. a watch to be. Yep. And it doesn't have to be a kind of nerdy smartwatch. And I think they've done a very good job with it by yeah, the look of it. I think so too, yeah. The the, the Gear S3 is a definitely a watch's watch. It's a, it's a watch, watch lover's watch. It's not just mm. a smart watch that's hopefully going to look like a watch. I think they've come from the other way with the watch design and the whole that true timepiece feel to it. And, uh, yeah, that, that is surprising, though, that this is their seventh uh, that they've created. They've been pretty busy over there at Samsung. But I do agree with you. The previous, the Gear S2, while it was a great, great smartwatch, didn't quite have the that sort of masculine feel to it. And you're right, it was a very plasticky-looking device. But, geez, they've really corrected that this time out and, and, and added even more features. Like, I think this one's waterproof now. It's got built-in yep. heart rate monitors, built-in GPS as well. And they're talking yeah. about it having in uh, LTE, 4G LTE connectivity. Uh, there, there was a big asterisk next to that in the press release. Yeah, about, not in uh, Australia. So it's not going to come out in Australia, right? Because that, no, that in so itself. I, so I dug around on that one, and, and, and people should know the way these kind of events and, and trips work is there's a bunch of people here as guests of Samsung. They've obviously had detailed briefings about the products, as, as you would be familiar with, Stephen, having mm-hmm. done that many times. Um, I, I didn't go to those pre-briefings. I didn't go, even go to the event. I just watched it online and, and got the press release. Um, but in reading some of the commentary from those those guys, um, it appears that we're getting both the Frontier and the Classic. But the Frontier, so there's two versions of the S3, the Classic and the Frontier. The Frontier globally is the one that can have LTE connection. Yeah. But in Australia, they're both going to be just the Bluetooth models. So two variants in terms of look and feel. Um, but um, only the Bluetooth versions it, for Australia. But it will have because it will it have um, Samsung Pay on it as well. So that that functionality should be there, shouldn't it? Yeah, I think they'll 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 it'll have the NFC because the NFC is in both watches, the Classic and the Frontier. Yeah. So that's the other big feature is adding the NFC allows them to put Samsung Pay uh, into the watch, which is something I think it's the best feature of the Apple Watch is, is using Apple Pay on your wrist. Um, it is disappointing they don't have the LTE because you've got to remember that means that. Let's yeah. say you're in Spain. You live in Spain. You've got a mobile phone. You've got a, a wristwatch. The wristwatch can have a, a SIM card, essentially, or a built-in SIM. I don't know which it is. Yeah. But your phone number can be on both of those. And so that's the thing we don't have in Australia is mobile network support, that kind of um, yeah. two-SIM, two one-SIM number yeah, arrangement. Because right. I don't want to, I don't want people ringing me on a different number to get my wrist. Uh, you know, you of want course. one number. Of so course. But I thought, I thought there'd be like some that. kind of a eSIM. Remember how we talked about eSIMs for a while back? That kind of seems yeah, to have gone totally. by the wayside. But. but unfortunately, the Australian networks just don't have the – they don't allow or don't have the capability to provide that kind of yeah. single number, two SIMs, whether they're eSIMs or, or, or fully um, removable SIMs, and that's why we won't get it. I've got to be honest – doesn't worry me yet. I think in three or four years from now, that would be a big, big deal because yeah. in my view, five to ten years is the road um, roadmap for not having phones, just having watches um, and tablets and things as a bigger screen. So, right. that, that look, that's cool. I think the NFC is a big deal. Samsung Pay, waterproof is a big deal. Um, the design is probably its, its best feature. And they really hammered home their ability to to really nail it with the the bezel, the twist yeah, of the it, bezel, it, it and does the look way good. it um, works. And it also has Corning Gorilla Glass, so yep. much more durable too. Yeah, it's going to put pressure, I think, on you know. There's speculation. We're going to talk next about the iPhone launch next week with the possibility of Apple Watch. It's going to put a bit, bit of pressure on Apple as well. I think both the the phone, Samsung's phone launches and Apple and Watch launch now. I think yeah, we'll talk about that in a minute. I think it's, the pressure's on Apple now to, to come up with something. It is. And, and in a smartwatch space, um, 
This is why I think this is probably the smartest thing Samsung's done in a very long time, even though it's not a, um, I'm not, not going to call it not a core part of the business, but in terms of revenue and, and sales numbers, it's not huge, the smartwatches. But if you have to look at any analysis of smartwatch markets globally, Apple dominates um, just on sheer volume. Um, in yeah. my view, there's no doubt they dominate, but it doesn't. It won't take much for the next wave of smartwatch wearers and buyers, and, and that's where Apple needs to be ready. Whereas yeah. I think Samsung, through those seven iterations, have really worked out what people want and don't want. And one of the things they said on stage today was, you know, it's round like a normal watch, not square, <laughs> putting you in your box. And it's like, wow, okay, did you really? Wow, okay, yeah. <laughs> we're really going there. Hello, yes. <laughs> well, well, we, we, well, that's Samsung. Uh, Samsung's major announcement so far. Uh, anything else? Yeah, that, Ether, Samsung that... will have um, Samsung will have some other stuff. Um, I've seen. What can I say? What can I say? All I can say is I've seen billboards here that talk about um, the connected fridge, the smart fridge, yeah, um, with the smart hub. So, so I think we might get some announcements on that. Yeah. So the applied the side is pretty heavy tonight, over there, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The other one tonight that um, that I put up on EFTM was the Lenovo. Um, Lenovo have unveiled a thing called the Yoga Book. Now, this is actually, in my view, I don't know yet whether it's a great product. But in terms of demonstrating innovation, it, it wins wins the day for me. You know, uh, Lenovo got the yoga um, convertible. So great, yep. thin laptops, touchscreens. They flip around. They do all that stuff. Imagine a 10-inch version of that. Um, you know, it's, it's, an open, it, it's a book style, you know, laptop style, opens up, can flip around back on itself. But there's no keyboard, huh. no keyboard at all. Instead... Where the keyboard would normally be is a surface that is, in fact, powered by Wacom, I believe, that in laptop mode, so if it detects if it's in the you know, kind of stance of a laptop, a keyboard appears. So on a screen below the surface, a keyboard appears. So it's a touch screen. So it's two screens. There's a display and a screen that can be a, become a keyboard. Yes, but it can only become a keyboard. It can't be a second display if you think of the old yeah. uh, Microsoft. What were they going to call that thing that was like t- a two-sided um, yeah. display? But anyway, um, the, but that whole keyboard surface is a surface, though. So if you lie it flat, you've got the screen on one side and this surface on the other without the keyboard showing, it becomes a touch-sensitive, so you can use a stylus to kind of draw on it. Smart. You can put a pen and paper there um, so you can get a, like an ink-paper attachment so you can actually draw on paper and it comes up on screen. The thing is... All those things I just said sound really cool, but I just don't know that they're practical at all. So I'm not sure this is actually a usable, exciting device, but I I do give them full credit for the design. It's only um, 9.5 mil thick. It's uh, got that watch band hinge. Um, everything that Lenovo have done recently is in this device. There's, mm-hmm. a, there's a Windows version and an Android version. Look, it's not going to be an iPad killer, but it is bloody awesome bit of tech innovation and i think they'll get a lot of attention for it yeah fair enough and and you're there with sony so any clue on what sony or are you allowed to talk about it at the moment is there an embargo happening it's uh, i know sony got yeah, a very so big we'll, always have we'll a big audio tomorrow presence tomorrow afternoon i'll get a briefing in the morning but from what i can gather and this is the other thing we can kind of explain to people and, and i think we mentioned this remember when the apple watch first first launched um we, we knew there was something up when um, the editor of Elle magazine was there. We knew there was some kind of design element, and that's what yeah. gave us the hint that the watches were coming. Well, there's um, uh, Jez Ford, who's a, who's a writer for Audio magazine here. Uh, so it's going to be heavy audio based. So I yeah. think we'll see multi-room speakers. I think we'll see headphones, and I think we'll see a lot of talk about high-res audio. 
um, which has obviously yep. been a huge thing on Sony's radar. But I guess next week we'll cover off any other major announcements that come out of it. And if people want to know more, they can visit the website, uh, eftm.com.au, and Stephen will update um, the stories that he sees at techguide.com.au. But, Stephen, there's something bigger happening next week. So next week, uh, another big event from Apple. They've finally uh, made a, their announcement they're going to have an event on the 7th of September, which is actually the 8th, early in the morning, 8th of the September in uh, Australia, Eastern Standard Time. I think it's 3 a.m., so uh, alarm clocks will be set for that one. And, of course, it's for what we all expect is the next iPhone, the iPhone 7. Uh, there's been so many rumors around this one. I, I think this, of, of all the iPhone announcements and the lead-up to the event, I can't remember an iPhone that's had more uh, features and, and rumors and speculation out there. So it's kind of like we know what we're going to get. So I'm, I'm hoping that they can they keep a surprise up their sleeve? Oh, mate, I don't think when it comes to the phone, no, I don't think they can. It appears very much, and they make a joke of it now at the keynote. They say, you know, things like uh, you might not have heard of that or, you know, they just say say things that indicate they know that the leaks and the rumors are happening. And Yeah. Uh, look, I think they've just come to accept that that's life um, and that they'll always have that kind of aspect to it. You've got to remember, that started with the iPhone 4 and the, the bar. Um, exactly, and the yeah. And all those different things. I was, so, actually, at, know, I was actually at that keynote when Steve Jobs said, he stopped in the middle and he said, look, stop me if you've seen this before. And, and, <laughs> and you're right, he, he, they do make light of it. But uh, look, I think that's flattering, though. Isn't it flattering, though, that, that people are so interested in their products that they want to know about them and they, they're talking about them? Well, you and I know that you know you get more traffic on a website for iPhone stories than almost anything else, and yeah. I don't, I still don't know really why that is, other than the, the general interest in them. And look, so here's what we think we know <laughs> about what will be announced next week. iPhone seven is is the name, but that's just based on the fact that you know over history four, four S, five, five S, six, six S. What do you think's next? Um, but interestingly, it feels like or seems like there's going to be three phones: uh, an iPhone seven, an iPhone seven plus and an iPhone 7 Pro. Um, the difference being the Pro is the size of the Plus but has a bigger camera module, so two lenses. Um, either that or that's just a big furphy and the, the Plus yeah. will have those two lenses. Well, I can't see them doing that. I, I know that I can see them maybe calling the Plus making that the Pro just the to Pro, bring, it, yeah. bring it in line with the iPad range now. But do you think they're going to have two different devices with the same size screen and just with different cameras? Is that, is that the main difference? I, I, I just feel like the, the reason I think that's a smart thing to do is price differentiation. You know, if you if it is a more expensive module and, and camera and all that kind of stuff, you don't want to skip um, the, the price band where the Plus currently sits. So I think that, yeah. you know, having, you know, nine ninety nine for this 7 and then all the way up and through the through the Pro and then it, through the Plus and into the Pro, you're going to end up with a $1,500, $1,600 phone yeah. or something. Um, and, and I think they kind of need to have uh, a, a ladder of pricing up yeah. to whatever the Pro might be. So, I, I, I did, I did yeah. notice that the um, there were some sort of rumoured images of the phone and one had a round, the round camera, one had a normal shape yes. camera. So that's what the difference here. But, but well, I cannot see Apple doing that. I cannot see them just yeah, having well, the similar devices, just with a different camera in them. Oh, I'm not putting a bottle of wine on it, that's for sure. But uh, <laughs> you've um, lost that in the Sonny past, Dixon, anyway. Yeah, Sonny <laughs> Dixon, who's the Melbourne leaker, yesterday had a video of um, three iPhones sitting side by side, and often you get these mock-ups that are made in China that's running Android, 
But these were clearly running iOS because what he did, he swiped to unlock them all or swiped to, you know, yeah. uh, indicate that they were working versions. And he turned the last one over and it had that bigger kind of oval um, camera area, which indicates that the Pro slash Plus Pro device. So we kind of know that, that that's there. The camera bump is, is still going to be there. Yeah. Um, Processor be bump. But, Processor but will be think, faster. Oh, yeah, well. obviously the processor will be faster. Yep. The, the thing will be lighter because it, uh, and thinner because it won't have a headphone jack. Yeah. Uh, I'm just convinced of that now. Oh, yeah, um, well, so many companies are now putting out. How many companies have put out lightning earphones and headphones now? I think uh, yeah. the, the, one of the biggest points, one of the biggest uh, parts of the device that's had the most attention is what's not going to be there, and that's the headphone jack. That's right, yeah. And, and I think that's – you've got to remember that, and you and I will remember very vividly the, the move from the iPhone 4S to the 5 with the 30-pin uh, um, yes. charging port disappearing and the, and the lightning appearing and it was all that anyone wanted to talk about I'm I'm pretty confident that people will be um, a lot of questions next week from radio stations to the, you and I about what yeah. that means and how it works and, and as I say yeah. to people look chill out in the box will still be a set of white earbud headphones that will plug directly into the lightning yeah. port and then you know in retail stores there'll be there'll be plenty of different options and for people that have old favorite headphones there'll be an adapter and uh, do you reckon there'll be yeah, an adapter no in ever... the box will it be in the yeah. box or you have to buy it separate no no in the box 25 dollars mate i reckon <laughs> yeah they want to charge you for something else don't they but uh interesting but the uh the other the other differences uh, apart from the camera there's not much is there the design the no They're headphone just kind of jack changing the way those antenna lines uh, yeah. appear you know the, yeah. the looks a bit cleaner the back looks a bit cleaner together. yeah Okay. Well, mm. I hope there's a surprise. Like I, I was asked on on uh, on my segment on Two GB yesterday whether Apple will copy Samsung's Iris scanner, and and I said, look, no. I doubt I doubt it. Uh, but who knows what surprises they got up their sleeve? I, I they'll it'll have the screen will have three D touch. Uh, they'll keep that. It'll run iOS ten, of course. So apart from that, uh, the the design even I've seen you've seen all the mock up images and, mm. and and purported pictures of the phone. It doesn't look that much different, does it, in terms of the yeah, shape and, and, and that's size? Where they'll get publicity? There's there's two issues going to come out of this, and they're both negative for Apple. And they they should know that. Yeah. One is the removal of the headphone jack, just in terms of the perception, and the second is that they've gone stale. Uh, Apple has gone stale. Johnny Ive has lost his mojo because they're <laughs> releasing a phone that looks exactly the same as it did three years ago. I mean, this is the third phone in a row yeah. with the same design cues, and that's never happened before. Um, the the 3GS into the 4 was very different. The 4S into the 5, very different. Yeah, um, so, 5 into the 6, yeah, very different. The 5S into the 6. So we, yeah. we expected that. But I think they're a year away from anything radically new. Because normally they save the, any major changes for the the new number. So the design change yes. gets the gets the new number. So in this case, in the previous case, it was the six that had the different look to the five. And then the mm. S model keeps the same design but adds other trickery inside. So adds different internal features. How I mean, how is that going to? I think that the. Oh, I just think that's what's going to be the headline on a lot of sites will be that, you know, Apple's lost its mojo and all that kind of stuff. Look, yeah. I think it's hard to innovate in design of mobile phones these days. You, you know, they are all much of a muchness. Samsung's done their thing by, by having the curved edge screeds. Uh, I don't think Apple even want to go that way. Well, not but, yet anyway. There's oh, rumours they're going to do that next year. Yeah. Yeah, there's rumours about next year already. I mean, how ridiculous. Can you but, believe it? So I think the only thing that they can do to prevent those headphones, that sorry, that those those kind of headlines... Uh, in terms of the negativity, is have uh, not a one more thing, but have a surprise. So, is there going to be a new watch, uh, for example? Yeah. I, I just feel that's like the big speculation, isn't there? It? But yeah, 
Um, it's two years ago, remember? Two years ago, then since they introduced the Apple Watch. So that that's in in Apple in Apple terms, that's a that's a long time uh, for a and, mobile and, device. Know, it was it was a good product, but they they basically proved in their own way by releasing new versions of the software and a new one coming soon that that it wasn't great in terms of its usability. But as an overall device, I don't know what it lacks generally. But when you put it side by side with the Samsung Gear S3, yeah, yeah, it does feel two years old. I think yeah. that's their challenge. But I think like this, the, to me, and I think I, we, I said this at the time and, and even after that, that the Apple Watch wasn't going to be one of those products that they change every second year like that's the phone. Right. Just like yeah. the iMac hasn't yeah. changed for how long has that been? Four or five years now, the iMac. The MacBook Pro yeah. hasn't changed. That's right. There's a precedent for them having longevity in product design. And I don't think, personally, I don't think the watch needs to change this year. I don't at all. I yeah, think, I agree. Give me the new software, make it work. And let's give another year well, and a half of this thing, you know, pumping out. I'm actually running. September, let's announce a new I'm, product. I'm running the new software on my on my it's Apple great, Watch, isn't it? and it is excellent. Yeah, it, it's a big step up in terms of performance. There's a few cool new features in it as well. Uh, not a big fan of the breathing, telling me to breathe three or four times a day, but uh, it is a big <laughs> improvement. But um, the the iPhone though, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that there's one little thing in there or a couple of things that get, people can go, wow, well, we didn't expect that. Uh, yeah, you know, can Apple still do that? Touch style because you know, three D touch was they thought it was amazing, but it's not really that great. It's, it's a good feature with iOS ten. It is though. With iOS ten, it is like well, you know how when you you lift up the phone, you can see all your notifications and interact with those notifications with three D touch. Oh, since I've been running iOS ten, I've used three D touch a lot. Uh, but before that, not so much. So I, I think they're kind oh, of they're leading I think into most it. Most people just don't use it that much and it's there it's you know uh, a long press is is as good as anything on android you know instagram pop yeah. up and pop uh, yeah. I, don't, I don't know i just think that it's not as big a deal as they thought it was so for me um i think they probably need just to distract the, the tech community they probably need a new macbook pro because <laughs> that'll fire up the mac you uh, think so yeah tech community pretty uh, the, well do you think that um, cloud they're gonna... old, that's a very stale product now mate very yeah. stale but, you, but do you think they're going to cloud they're going to cloud an iphone launch with you know that something else although last year they introduced a new phone ipad pro apple tv they they had everything didn't they last year so well yeah and, and look i'd like to think that they won't cloud it but i think they probably know deep down that the stories if they just release an iphone and nothing else the yeah. story's going to be Drama headphone jack gone. Drama Apple's lost its design mojo. So they they need to they need to counter the design mojo story with something beautiful, and that should be the new MacBook Pro because it's yeah. a pretty stale design. Absolutely. Well, it's again once again Apple uh, have got massive expectations to meet, and if they if That's even right. if they fall slightly short, it's it's going to be a disappointment for a lot of people. So uh, they've got to, they yeah. set the bar very high. The fans and the, all, all the analysts and even us, I suppose, us journalists, we, we set the bar high, and uh, hopefully they can meet it. Well, that's uh, next week um, in San Francisco, as you said, on the morning of the 8th. So um, set your alarms, people. But if you don't set your alarms, you'll be able to get all the details on our Twitter accounts at Trevor Long, at Stephen Fennick, and online techguide.com.au and eftm.com.au. Now, the other interesting story this week, Steve, that I thought we should touch on because we do get a fair bit of communication about it, or I do. I'm pretty sure you do as well as the MBN. Yep. Um, uh, Bill Morrow, CEO of the NBN, stood up and uh, kind of released their corporate plan. Uh, you know, all government organised, all good businesses have, you know, three and four year and five year corporate plans. But as a government organisation, and having worked at one, I'm well aware of the process. You have to formally submit a, a, a corporate plan to the government for three years and set your targets and things and your your approach. This was very interesting to me because they've they've released some really good details about what they 
perceive as being the way forward. And interestingly, um, the um, the ready for service number. So basically, they're saying within the financial year 2020, um, 11.9 million homes will be ready for service, which means they're, they're done. Um, that's that's pretty much every Australian home. And Absolutely. they think at that time, 8.1 million homes will be connected. So the connection rate is pretty high. And look, there's plenty of people who want to bag them out there, but geez, this is a massive project. And I reckon 2020 isn't actually a bad outcome, which when you think about it, that was actually the original date. It was 2020, 2021, wasn't it? Under the it was, yeah, you're right, you're right. But I think this comes on the back of better than expected performances in the last financial year. I think the, the number of homes connected was above uh, expectations. The amount of revenue they were may, making, the number of average revenue per user was going up. So I think on the strength of that, they 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 adjusted and could make this bold, this ambitious plan to to finish the rollout by 2020. And and it is, I I wrote this story last week as well, and the the reaction from on Twitter was was odd because people were saying, oh, it's it's old, it's out of date, and but yet the mixture of technology they're using, with you know, fibre to the premises, mm. fibre to the node. Uh, HFC, so I've got HFC as you as you, do you at your place. Yep. That's going to be repurposed for the NVN. So there's so many different uh, technology choices being made, and yet people are still groaning about how it's going to be all outdated and and not not fast enough and things like that. Anyone I think... that thinks HFC, which is let's be honest, HFC is going to service between two and a half and three point two million Australian homes by 2020. Um, and let's be completely honest, they're Sydney and Melbourne metro homes, basically. Yeah. Um, that is one heck of a solid technology. With with updates and upgrades, that thing is going to achieve some pretty solid speeds. I can't um, wait for that to happen. And 40 up um, as the basic availability of the technology they're creating is is phenomenal. Oh, um, fibre to the node is about you know 6.5 million homes. There are 2.5 million homes going to get fibre to the premises. But look, the other critical thing here is um, $29.5 billion is the limit of government money that goes into this thing, which is a, a big outcome because the government money was the big issue. $30 billion rounded is actually a really good investment because yeah. that's capital, that's equity. They well, own it's, the It's going to be an asset right? that makes money, absolutely, yeah. That's right. It's not only an asset that makes money, but trust me, in 15 years from now, we're going to be saying on two blokes, two old blokes talking tech episode <laughs> 590, we're going to be saying, oh, should they be selling the NBN like they did Telstra, the Commonwealth Bank and Qantas and all those things, right? So should they sell the NBN? Bloody oath, because it'll make them hundreds of billions of dollars yeah. because it will be an, an infrastructure asset as Telstra was. Absolutely. Um, the, the issue is the, the difference between that $29.5 billion and what it's actually going to cost is about $10 billion. So they're short. They mm. don't have the money to finish it. But here's how this works. Because they now have a plan, they'll now go to the markets and they'll look for someone to loan them the money. Now, that someone could be an international company, could be a bank, whoever, um, and they'll loan it to them at, let's just say, 5%, silly, silly Trevor number, um, and that's the cost of getting that money. What actually should happen is the government should loan them that money. So as opposed to a capital investment, they should loan them the money because they can do it at a lower interest rate, which benefits the MBN and benefits the government because they get the money mm -hmm. back, but they retain their full investment and it's a cheaper development. So Absolutely, that's yeah. where the next big debate will be in about six months from now. But yeah. the end, the MBN's rolling out. And Absolutely. Bloody happy about and, it. and just on the way well, you mentioned speeds earlier, I think it's interesting to note that 40% of Australians... That's 40%. That's four in 10 homes are going to have download speeds of one gigabit per second with 70% yeah. 
having at least 100 megabits per second, which is super, super fast. So all these naysayers on Twitter and people bagging it out, I think that's not a bad outcome there. Yeah, oh, look, I think there's always going to be naysayers, especially once it's a political thing. But, you know, it's, look, I think, to be honest, I think it's going well. I do I do question whether they're actually on track with the three-year plan that they had in terms of the suburbs and, and yeah. the rollouts. But I think that'll be made clear over the over the weeks. I tried ahead. to look but, for that, by the way. I tried to look for my suburb to get the update. Remember, remember they had a, a solid uh, a window that, that, that you were supposed to be installed? I think mine was yep. 2018. Yeah, well, I can't find that now. Well, is that still there? The, uh, EFTM.com.au, click on the NBN article. But is it the still there, though, yeah. on, on the NBN website, yeah, no, no. though? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then and then that links you to another EFTM article just because I'm massive on the clickbait. Yeah. Um, and there's a very small link to uh, to a thing on this list. Now, the website address, I'm just bringing it up, is nbnco.com.au forward slash three-year plan, I think it's called. Uh-huh. Um, I'll just I'm just got to hover my mouth. nbn.com.au forward slash three, the number three year plan, one word. And that takes you to this really silly long list that you can't um, search on the site. But if you control F and search for your suburb, you'll see when construction is due to commence in your area. I've already yeah. had people tell me that that's somewhat out of date and they haven't started in their area. But I've had other people say they've got it before that. So ah. it's probably a little bit hit and miss. But okay. um, overall, well, you know. 10 million homes. Bring it on, I say. Bring it on. Can't wait to get it. Bring it on. Yeah. All right. Uh, two Blokes Talking Tech, episode 268. Thanks to the good people at Netgear, netgear.com.au, and over here at IFA. And uh, and uh, in the last week, they've launched the Orbi uh, home networking system. This is going to be amazing. It'll launch in Australia in around November, December. Um, it's, a, it's a wireless network for your home that actually works to create a better network throughout your whole home. So rather than using range extenders, uh, and boosters, you put these devices, one at your modem, one in the middle of your house. It doesn't look like a crazy bit of tech geek stuff. It's a nice-looking cylindrical white unit that doesn't look at all like it's a modem router. Um, it's a router that sits in the middle of your home. It creates a mesh network that gives you solid Wi-Fi in every part of your home for all your devices. Netgear Orbi, O-R-B-I, um, available at the end of the year, and details of that are at techguide.com.au and eftm.com.au. And if you go to Netgear, you'll see all the details. Now, um, Stephen, I'm going to throw you a, a new one into the rundown here because I think it's important that I let you have this conversation. Okay. Star Wars, BB-8. <laughs> you know what? Um, you know what? You read we my mind. recording <laughs> earlier in the day and, uh, and the, the embargo was, was far too far away, but given that Trevor needed his beauty sleep and I'm just looking in the mirror, it didn't work. Um, the the BB-8 um, battle-worn and force-banned, we can now talk about them. And, Steve, yep. I think this is very cool. This was a hot gift last year. It sold like absolute crackers in Australia and around the world. There's now a new BB-8 you can buy, a special edition, which is this very cool-looking. looks like he's been out in the in the desert and in battles. And then there's the force-band, which was... Um, you know, launched or mooted earlier in the year, and yep. we've now had a good look at that and a play with that. It's a very cool bit of tech that allows you to actually use the force, use your arm to push and pull uh, your droid. And, mate, oh, I think this thing is going to be super popular. It is really cool, and every Star Wars fan, you know, they, they fantasize about having the force. And here, this well, is I about... I know as... what you fantasize about, Steve. <laughs> it's a family podcast. This is, this is about as close as I'm going to get to having the force, by the way. So the force band was worn on on, on your wrist, and paired up with the with uh, BB-8, 
and it allows you then to sort of make the force push action to to push the droid away and then you use your arm in the different directions to steer it and then you pull it back with the like it's you you're using the force as well i've I've published my story and i did a little video as best i could to to uh, illustrate the how it works and how it pairs up and uh the it's a it's a cool little product i think it's uh for sparrow anyway it's the first uh, sort of a, a move away from just creating just a pure robot uh, now with the force band so sort of they've built a companion device for their existing products and this works with the existing bb8 as well as the new uh battle worn bb8 so they've built mm. built uh built compatibility in right there but it's the app as well that comes into play because the force band can be used not just with bb8 they've also built a, a mode a force awareness mode where if you wear if you wear your force band out and about uh, it's a bit. It's a bit of a, a Pokemon Go style game where you search for holocrons and you can drag them into the app and then use their weapons to play for the combat training, which allows you to then use the force band and it creates the sound effects as if you're swinging a lightsaber or flying mm-hmm. a ship or or uh, firing a weapon. So it, it really it, it's added a lot to an existing product and with an app update to the app as well. well. There is a new app actually called the Force Band, but it, it, it's really taken that gameplay in a different direction and fans and and there's like you said a lot of people bought this product last year the fans are going to eat this up you can buy the force band on its own i think it's 139.99 or you can also buy the bundle which is the battle worn bb8 and the force band so if you just want to buy battle worn mm. bb8 you can't buy it on its own you've got to buy it with the force band but uh, they go on sale september 30 across I think JB Hi-Fi, Maya, Apple stores. But what a fun product. And, and again, it's it's Star Wars season. Again, there's a movie out in the cinemas in December, Rogue One. Uh, there's other Star Wars products that are, that are going to be coming through the pipeline as well. But this is the leader. This has led them out. Uh, the BB-8, uh, the, the Battle Worn, the Force Band. I've been uh, playing with it for quite a while now. Yeah. And I'm talking about the Force Band. Look, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I've got to be honest, um, it, it takes a bit of getting used to, but my kids and big kids at heart will very quickly learn how to use the force, and that sounds ridiculous yeah. to say that, but um, I think this will be such a great product. It's so well done to create an accompanying product to something that we're... Think about it, right? This time last year, it was exactly this time last year they, they launched yep. BB-8, and the the idea of that was just amazing. How could, you, how could you follow that up? Like, how could you do better? Just make a bigger one or a smaller one or something, right? No, no. We'll make an accessory that controls it. I just think it is pure, pure genius, and it is well executed. Um, and I think we'll see a lot, a lot of this. But Stephen, you will not see me wearing a force band in public. Well, whatever the hell. If I, I do, if I do wear it, it'll have to be under the, my long sleeve shirt. If I do wear it in public, it. Um, oh, anyway. I would have thought you'd proudly wear it. <laughs> oh, I'd see how I go. It makes noises oh. and everything. There's a speaker on it and everything. So if, know, yeah. if if you do actually come up. To come near a holocron in, in public, it, it's going to make noises and, and vibrate on your hand and everything. Interesting. Sparrow BB-8, uh, battle-worn uh, and forced band uh, details are now at eftm.com.au and techguide.com.au if you want to see uh, 
Stephen, very disappointing that you didn't um, raise the camera up in your in your video so that people could see that the the white feet uh, the at the extremity of your video was actually uh, a stormtrooper. Yeah. Um, and if you want to see me make a goose myself, I've put a video up as well because I couldn't control the body thing and, and you could hear it banging into walls. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> uh, both of our websites, tfgm.com.au and techguide.com.au. Now, I wanted to talk again this week about Apple Pay only because, yeah, I'm on my high horse. Um and it's still frustrating me, the uh, the ACCC um, decision that needs to be made. But uh, ANZ this week announced a um, an addition to their Apple Pay um, arsenal, if you like. Um, they've added MasterCard. So about 500,000 uh, ANZ customers um, use MasterCard, and they haven't been able to use Apple Pay. Well, as of now, they can. And here's the cool thing I spoke to. Um, I spoke to one of the uh, ANZ execs who's kind of head of product, um, Matt Boss, and he was telling me a couple of cool things about um, Apple Pay. They can't say much, um, you know, both the commercially in confidence and also just with their arrangement with Apple. You can't just go spruiking everything about it. But they were able to talk in little round circles about a few things. Mate, I don't know if you've read my story, so this might be a, a Dorothy Dixon, but how old do you reckon the oldest person using ANZ, um, Apple Pay, you know, tapping going with their smartphone is? Uh, in their 90s? They are close to a hundred, yeah, and they've got a bunch of customers in their eighties and nineties. Trying to make the point that it's um, many and varied the the ability to use it. Um, you know, they've got about twenty percent take up rate. So, of people who had an eligible card and you know were able to do it, twenty percent have taken it up, which they obviously think is is excellent. The most, I mean, a lot of you know, obviously a couple of dollar transactions for a coffee, or in my case, a coke. Um, <laughs> the biggest transaction though, fifteen thousand dollars. Fifteen. Imagine tapping and going with your mobile phone just to buy whatever the hell you're buying. What, 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 what do they buy? On something. Oh, we don't know. It just says luxury purchases. Yeah. Um, Might have been jewelry. I reckon uh, jewelry. Yeah, it could have been. Could have been. But um, you know, fifteen grand's a lot of money to spend. But look, they're very happy. It's working very well for them. And at the same time, Apple has submitted their uh, their formal response to the Bendigo Bank, Adelaide Bank, uh, ComBank, uh, Westpac, and NAB submission to the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission to act as a cartel. Um, and, look, I had a mm-hmm. good long read of their submission, Apple's you know, formal submission to the ACCC. And here's what it basically says. It basically says this is an outrage, shouldn't happen, it's anti-competitive, it's never been granted in the history of Australia. But secondly, if you do grant it, the things that the banks want, um, which are you know, to be able to pass on the cost, to have... Uh, different security levels and access to the NFC, we'll never grant. So they basically said, look, do what you like, but yeah. this will never happen because we're not we're not budging. We've got over 3,000 banks around the world using this. Why on earth would we change our tune based on a couple of Aussie banks? So once again, the banks, um, you know, talking out their brass razoo um, with regards to what they think they're going to get. And essentially, 66% of Australians who don't use the NNZ are um, are unable to use Apple Pay, and I think that's a really, really sad just, outcome. Just on while we're talking about Apple and Pay and all that sort of gear, what what about that story that they they uh the from the, the money they owe to the Ireland funneling their their money through Ireland, the nineteen billion dollar tax bill that apparently they owe uh, for for sending their money through the European their European divisions through Ireland. This is the funniest story I've ever read because here's the thing: the European Union have ruled that Apple owes Ireland 14 billion euros or something, right? Yeah, which is 19 Ireland billion Ireland don't Australian. want the money. Yes, I know. Because <laughs> they're scared I, I, it's going to scare other companies off, I know. Well, well, they made 
Ireland made a, 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 an agreement with Apple in like 1990-something that they could operate this way and do this and pay this amount of tax. They made an agreement and they're sticking to it. The, the agreement is no longer in place, by the way. They operate differently now. They've changed the company, but they're talking about like 13 years' worth of you know back taxes. But, you know, this is, this is hilarious. That would be like saying, um, you know, you owe the ATO $20, but the ATO don't want it. So if yep. you pay the ATO... They're going to probably give you a credit on your account or something. It's just hilarious and it's just completely ridiculous. It probably shows why the UK should have exited um, the EU and why Ireland probably should yeah. do the same thing. We should point it's out just that a ridiculous thing that Apple has done nothing illegal here. They've just that they've used no. the same that they've consulted the same Irish tax commission that is available to any company and worked out a way for them for their tax rate to be point zero zero five percent, which. Good luck to them. I wish I could work out a way to do the same thing. So it's yeah, and don't uh, interesting. we all go to our accountants trying to minimise tax? That's yes. the whole point of life. Um, you know, it's a, it's a very funny story, and I, I honestly laugh at it every time I see it written because most people fail to write or, or extenuate the part that this is not Ireland taking Apple to court for their, their lost taxes. This is another body saying, Ireland, you should be getting those taxes back. It's quite, quite <laughs> funny. Anyway, that's um, that's Apple, Apple Pay, and a whole bunch of other things. You can read about those at our website. So techguide.com.au and eftm.com.au. Stephen, Fitbit. Fitbit, yes. They've just updated their ranges. Two new devices on the market. Uh, I've just received the Charge 2, which I'll probably have a review up uh, early next week. But they've, re- they've released the Charge 2, the Charge HR, which this replaces or, or is come comes after. Is, was the most successful Fitbit product that they ever had. And Fitbit's a company that's like the global leader in wearable fitness products. They've got, in Australia, uh, more than 80% market share. So they're, pre- they're pretty strong. They've also mm-hmm. released the Flex 2, which is the, the entry-level, sort of slimmer, lighter device that's got the LED indicators on the front. And both had slight redesigns. The, the charge... The Charge 2 now has a, a bigger screen, so you can fit more. You can read the time. You can see all, all, all your details, your stats on there. It's also got a heart rate monitor as well, so it gives you 24-7 heart rate coverage. There's also, as taking a leaf out of Apple's book here, we were talking about the breathe functionality with the, the Watch OS 3. This also, the Charge HR has also done that and, and can lead people through breathing sessions to help uh, relax them as well because uh, apparently it does, oh, uh, it, does, it does help with the deep breathing to reduce stress, reduce your anxiety, and even lowers your blood pressure, which is interesting. But the Flex 2, uh, that's also that, that's, uh, the, the newer product as well. That's got a detachable module. So rather than just snapping off the bands and putting on a new band on the actual module, the, the, the small module actually pops out and you can then insert it into a different color band. You can even insert it now into a pendant or, or a bracelet that kind of looks like a piece of jewelry. Uh, and the Flex 2 also is waterproof, so you can now take it swimming. There's even a, a, a mode that it can count your laps in the pool, and as they always do, they automatically pick up what type of exercise you're doing, both the Flex 2 and the Charge 2, and can can give you, then can track whatever your exercise you happen to be doing. So uh, another great way to be able to track your health and your, achieve your fitness goals. The Charge 2... Uh, it's going to. It's priced at two forty nine ninety five, and the Flex Two is one forty nine ninety five. Details at techguide.com.au. Now, Stephen, you know I love my um, uh, Forza, my Formula One, my Gran Turismo. 
Um, I love these racing games because they're, they're always just fun to have a crack at. Now, two, two stories here, actually. First, I should mention, Gran Turismo Sport, which is the new version of Gran Turismo, was due to come out in November. It's been put off. They've, had to, they've announced what? that they put that back until 2017. Please. Um, no, no actual date, but they've obviously been mucking around with it going, this is buggy as all hell, we can't release it. Um, that's a pretty big deal for Sony. That's a huge title for them. It was going to be part of VR. It's going to be everything. So they've put that back. I think it's a real stumbling block for them because Force is still making you know great ground in terms of Microsoft. Um, a couple of weeks ago, a company emailed me and said, do you want to review Assetto Corsa? And I went, what the hell's that? I've never heard of it in my life. Um, and it's a racing game. And as is often the case, they say, do you want to come and play it? I went, no, you want to come to my place and play it? Because I got myself a sim. And so they sent me the thing. And here's the thing. I bloody loved it. And you know why, Stephen? I don't know whether you get much time behind a racing game, but I'll put it in Call of Duty terms and other things. You know when you've got to play a game and you've got to to play so much of the game before you can do certain things, you can earn stuff and do that part? Mm -hmm. I hate that about racing games because I don't spend a lot of time gaming. I just want to open the game pick a track, pick a car and play. So I installed this game. I picked a Ferrari. I picked Spa in Belgium, iconic racetrack, and I just drove. I was there on the track doing whatever I wanted. I love the fact that it was simple, easy, and yes, there's career mode. Yes, you can earn your stripes. Yes, you can do all those things. But I just was able to play the game. Bunch of great cars. The graphics are sensational. So the track graphics look great. The cars look spectacular. Probably the only place they let themselves down is kind of the um, the graphics in terms of the physics of what happens when you go through a sand trap, it doesn't look realistic from the outside, mm-hmm. but who cares? Because when you're on the inside and you're driving it, it feels very real. In fact, it's probably the second most real racing game I've played behind Project Cars. Okay. Um, so hang on, is this is this a, con- this a console game or PC game? It's everything. Steam, it's everything, right. Um, okay. PC, uh, Xbox, PlayStation. And it's out already um, or coming uh, soon? It's, it's out now. Um, it's called Assetto Corsa. I'm pretty sure it's meant to be pronounced Assetto Corsa. <laughs> <laughs> something like that. But um, um, uh, you can find my full review at eftm.com.au. A cracking little game. I reckon it's a great Father's Day gift, in fact. Uh, okay. So uh, check that one out if you're, if you're in the market uh, for a racing sim. Um, I don't know how long we've been going, but I feel like it's time, Stephen, to break everything, stop everything, and move to your minute reviews. Uh, and um, that's what we should do right now, Stephen. What do you got for us? Absolutely. Mate? Well, first off, I've got, and, and I know this has been out for a while, but I did want to wait till I was in a, a place where I could capture some decent 360-degree videos and sort of give people an appreciation of where I was. And, and that place was New York, and it's, the product mm-hmm. is the 360 Fly 4K. Now, this is the update to the HD camera. This has been out a couple of months now, but I, I, this was my first real real go at start to finish, setting it up, downloading the video, sharing it to YouTube, sharing it to Facebook, and doing all those things. And I have to say, the quality of the video is excellent. Ease of use is is also pretty good too because there's only one button on this product. So you don't have to – it's not like you have to learn a lot of stuff to actually operate this thing. And there is a lot of strength too in the app. So there's no screen. uh, There's no expandable memory. There's no flap that you open up to plug in a charger. You do need a cradle, a magnetic cradle to charge it. So if you do need to take it out, you've got to remember that cradle or otherwise you won't be able to charge it up again. But mm. at the end of the day, it does provide some excellent videos. I did a video in Times Square. I also did a video at the, in Philadelphia up near the Rocky Steps there. And uh, it really gave people a sense of where we were because they could pan around, uh, either view it on YouTube and pan around with their finger or turn around in their phone or even view it in a VR headset. 
Uh, My favourite part of the Rocky uh, Philadelphia Steps video, mate, was if you're if you're looking, you know, uh, out in the distance, as Rocky would have been, yep. just uh, on your mobile phone, folks. When you're on TechGuy.com.au, just spin around and you'll see <laughs> Stephen's brother Michael giving photography advice. Yes, I heard that. The it's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> About the burst. Mate, did you see his burst mode? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> trying to catch this. Very good. Very good. Michael, yeah, I when Stephen's that. ill, you can be the other. Absolutely. Michael. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. He's uh, <laughs> he's uh, he's up with it. But uh, yeah, the 360 fly four. Okay, mate. The only downside I think is you can't expand your memory, which 64 no. gig is is enough to shoot a couple of hours of video. Let's face it, uh, and you've got to remember that little that little uh, cradle to charge it with. That that's another thing. If you if you forget that, you're, mm. you're stuffed if you run out of battery. Uh, and mm. it's not the cheapest in the world either. It's 849.95. Although I think there's a Father's Day special going on, and that's dropped the price down to under 800 bucks. And I think they're throwing in a mount or a VR headset or something like that. So uh, check that out there. The 360 Fly 4K. All right, and lastly, um, something very fresh on techguide.com.au, some headphones. Yeah, well, this is the Jaybird Freedom Buds. Now, this is a, a company that's number four in the U.S. behind Beats, Bose, and LG. LG's up there, would you believe, in, in, in wow. headphones in, in the States. And this is the, – the funny thing is, though, they're announcing their launch here in Australia – but it's actually an Australian company. The founder is is a guy named uh, Judd Armstrong, who I've interviewed for my Tech Guide podcast. He'll be on my next show. Uh, he founded the company in Australia, took it to the US, and it's just going going ballistic. Being just been bought out by Logitech for ninety five million US dollars. So uh, he's he's going mm, okay, old Judd. Mm. But the the device itself, though, what what makes it so successful? It's so small. He was thinking of wireless headphones ten years ago. And and with wireless headphones and earphones, I should say, the buds are normally pretty big because that's normally where they pack all the battery, they pack the antenna, and pack it in there. Well, what 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 Jaybird has done is put all that all that technology into the controller on on the on the cable. So rather than making the buds bigger, he's put the the battery and and the antenna in that in the controller. So the, the buds Ooh. themselves are tiny. They fit in your ear. I've put a picture on Tech Guide of it next to a $2 coin. You can just appreciate how small it is. Uh, it's actually smaller than that. And uh, so he's put the rest of it in, into the, the controller. The result is really comfortable fit in your ear. Sound is, for, from such a small earbud, you, you'll swear you're listening to something three or four times bigger. And the bass really kicks it as well. Really, it, it does does sound really good. Uh, the, the clarity is really great at, that, at the top and mid-ends there as well. But as I said, bass has really kicked it too. The Jaybirds have a, also a, a little clip that you charge the battery that's inside the controller using a little module. So a little little clip-on module goes onto the, onto the controller on the cable. So that means you can top up your battery and still be listening to your music. So you don't have to stop listening. Because normally wireless headphones, earphones, you need to plug in the micro USB cable mm. in, into one of the buds to charge it. In this case, yeah. you don't. You can charge that little battery on its own. And uh, you can still be listening while you're getting a charge. You can even download their My Sound app if you want to sort of customize the sound and save it as well. But the uh, the Jaybirds, uh, Jaybird Freedom Buds, they're available now through JB Hi-Fi and Apple Stores, two hundred and forty nine ninety five. Very nice. Check them out at techguide.com.au. Stephen, um, i got to say, to those that... Um uh, annoyed that we were a bit late on the podcast. We we nearly had the podcast out about six hours ago, but I'll tell you what, better <laughs> show this morning, better show because we've added we've added topics. It's 
been great. Yeah. Um, I'll be here at IFA for the next few days, so uh, whatever the hell comes out of the joint, I'll uh, have that on eftm.com.au. Stephen will continue updating techguide.com.au, and Stephen will chat next week. It'll be, let's be honest, uh, we do it a couple of times a year, and I think it's worthwhile. It'll be primarily Apple, but we'll, um, we'll yeah. also feature anything big that comes out of IFA over the next few days. Next week on Two Blokes Talking Tech, Stephen, I'll talk to you then. Talk to you then, mate.